thank you for joining the Bogart Press through the Bible Adult Study Guide podcast. This quarter, our study is entitled God's Sovereignty at Work and comes from 1 Samuel, 2 Samuel 1 through 4, and 1 Chronicles 1 through 10. During this study, we will recognize the sovereignty of God, which directs the affairs of men and nation in spite of human weakness. You can purchase your copy of this book along with many other study resources on our website, bogardpress.org. So grab your copy of the Summer 2023 Adult Study Guide and your Bible and follow along. The lesson for July 30, 2023 is entitled, God Looks at the Heart. It comes from 1 Samuel chapter 16, verses 1 through 13, and chapter 17, verses 34 through 51. The key verse, Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brethren. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. 1 Samuel chapter 16 and verse 13. The application, the student will comprehend that God calls and uses a person according to the willingness of his heart. Seeking the context. At the close of 1 Samuel 15, Samuel left King Saul to return to his home in Ramah, a broken-hearted prophet. He knew from the start that Israel's desire for a king would lead to disaster. It was one thing to know it. It was quite another to experience it. Samuel felt rejected by the people he had served so selflessly and faithfully. But more than that, his heart was broken because the people had rejected God from reigning over them. Samuel did everything he could to help King Saul succeed. But more often than not, he was sent to rebuke King Saul's disobedience 1 Samuel chapter 13 and 15. Samuel loved King Saul, prayed for him, and mourned for him for many days after his failures. 1 Samuel chapter 15 verse 35, chapter 16 verse 1. But his constant disobedience and excuse making infuriated Samuel. After telling him that God had rent the kingdom of Israel from him to give to another, he would not go to Saul again. Only one other time did Samuel see Saul when Saul went to Samuel while trying to kill David. By that time, Saul had become a raving madman. 1 Samuel chapter 19, verses 20 through 24. It was a difficult time for Samuel, but God was still on his throne and had already chosen a new king after his own heart. Our lesson today starts with Samuel going to the house of Jesse and identifying David as God's choice for Saul's replacement. Saul was the people's choice for a king. David was God's choice. Why do you think Samuel mourned for Saul so long after God rejected him as king? 1 Samuel chapter 15 verse 35 through 16 verse 1. Searching the text. Number 1. The Lord chose David. 1 Samuel chapter 16 verse 1 and verses 11 through 13. And the Lord said unto Samuel, How long wilt thou mourn for Saul, seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel? Fill thine horn with oil and go. I will send thee to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have 
provided me a king among his sons. And Samuel said unto Jesse, Are here all thy children? And he said, There remaineth yet the youngest, and behold, he keepeth the sheep. And Samuel said unto Jesse, Send and fetch him, for we will not sit down till he can't come hither. And he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy, and withal of a beautiful countenance, and goodly to look to. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is he. Then Samuel took the horn of oil, and anointed him in the midst of his brethren. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Saul arose and went to Ramah. The Lord told Samuel that he had mourned for Saul long enough, and that it was time to anoint a new king in Israel. He was instructed to go to Bethlehem, to the house of Jesse, and among his sons God had chosen the new king. In fact, God had chosen David long ago to be king in Israel. David's genealogy at the end of the book of Ruth, which was during the days of the judges, points to David's future kingship, Ruth chapter 4, verses 17 through 22. Arguably, he was to be the first king in Israel, but Israel had demanded a king before God was ready to give them a king. But now was the time, and David was the chosen. We also read that this was a dangerous time. Samuel was worried that King Saul would kill him for anointing a new king. Seemingly, Saul had already become paranoid about his replacement. When Samuel arrived in Bethlehem, the elders feared that Samuel had come to do them harm. Maybe they were expecting the judgment of God to fall on them because of the ungodly condition of Israel. But Samuel called the people to sacrifice and worship the Lord. There is nothing more reassuring in troubling times than worshiping the Lord. The Lord clearly explained how he chose people for his service. People judge aptitude based on outward appearance. Maybe Jesse's sons were tall and full of muscles, but the Lord looketh on the heart. 1 Samuel 16, 7. This cannot be overstated that it is only the condition of the heart that makes someone qualified for the service of the Lord. The Lord did not choose the older son as even Samuel thought. The Lord had chosen David, the youngest son of Jesse. We also read in verse 12 that David was good looking, but it was his heart, not his looks, that qualified him to be king of Israel. When we look for servants in our churches, we must look at the heart of the person and not outward appearance or even personal skill. But this is easier said than done because we cannot look upon the heart of a person. This is why we must depend upon the Lord's guidance in choosing those to serve in our churches. The Lord looks upon the heart of a person and he will lead us to the right person to serve in our churches. As instructed by the Lord, Samuel anointed David to be king and from that day forward, the Spirit of God came upon him in a special way to equip him for service. David was chosen by God while tending his father's sheep to become the shepherd of God's people. So he fed or shepherded them according to the integrity of his heart and guided them by the skillfulness of his hand. 
Psalm 78 and verse 72. What would you say is the right heart for serving the Lord? Number two, the Lord empowered David. 1 Samuel chapter 17 verses 34 through 37 and verse 45. The Lord said unto Saul, Thy servant kept his father's sheep, and there came a lion and a bear and took the lamb out of the flock. And I went out after him and smote him and delivered it out of his mouth. And when he arose against me, I caught him by the beard and smote him and slew him. Thy servant slew both the lion and the bear, and this circumcised Philistine shall be as one of them, seeing he has defied the armies of the living God. David said, Moreover, the Lord that delivered me out of the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear, he will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said unto David, Go, and the Lord be with thee. Then said David to the Philistine, Thou comest to me with a sword and with a spear and with a shield, but I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defied. From this point, the narrative of 1 Samuel shows how David flourished while Samuel declined physically, mentally, and spiritually. The Lord was with David and had forsaken Saul. Ironically, David became Saul's comforter when he was troubled by the evil spirit from God, and he became Saul's deliverer on the battlefield against the Philistines. Turning the page to 1 Samuel 17, the Philistines had gathered their armies to battle against Israel. Here we have the well-known account of David versus Goliath. Goliath was an intimidating giant standing nine feet nine inches tall. He wore a coat of mail that weighed 125 pounds and carried a spear like a weaver's beam whose spearhead weighed 15 pounds. Saul and all of Israel were greatly afraid as he challenged all Israeli soldiers to meet him in a one-to-one combat. Who would be brave enough to fight Goliath? David had been sent by his father to take food to his brothers and their commanding officers at the battlefield. Obviously, the Lord was at work to bring David to the battlefield at just this moment. When David arrived and heard Goliath challenged, he pleaded with the soldiers to accept the challenge. But when no one would, David did. David, brave and confident in the Lord, went to King Saul to tell him that he would fight Goliath. Not only was King Saul too afraid to accept Goliath's challenge, he also tried to dissuade David from doing so. David faced discouragers from all around, his oldest brother and King Saul. But David told Saul that the same Lord who empowered him to kill a lion and a bear would empower him to kill this uncircumcised Philistine for defying the armies of the living God. Verses 36 and 37. Despite discouraging counsel, David trusted the Lord to win the battle. As the Lord empowered him to protect his father's flock, the Lord would empower him to protect his flock, the nation of Israel. Saul tried to arm David with his armor and sword, but they were more of a hindrance than a help. 
David instead took his shepherd's staff and chose five smooth stones to be used in his sling. These were what David was accustomed to using. But more importantly, David went up against the Philistine giant in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel. Verse 45. David faced an enemy who should have easily defeated him, but he faced the giant with confident bravery that came from his trust in the Lord. Although we will not face Philistine giants, we face overwhelming odds living in a world full of temptation and ungodliness. We too can face these giants trusting in the Lord's deliverance. As King Saul's armory was no more help uh, to David, so too the inventions of man cannot help us face our giants. It is only the Lord in our lives that will deliver us from evil. As the Spirit of God dwelt with David and empowered him to face Goliath, we also have the same Spirit within us to face our giants. Furthermore, the Lord had been working in David's life for many years to prepare him for just this moment. He had faced a lion and a bear, and the Lord empowered him to overcome these dangers. These experiences increased David's confidence in the Lord so that he could face a Philistine giant unafraid. So too, as we experience the Lord's deliverance through challenges and dangers, our confidence in the Lord grows. When we face our next spiritual battle, we too can be unafraid, knowing that the Lord will deliver us. What giants are you facing today that the Lord will empower you to overcome? Number three, the Lord wins with David. 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 46 and 47 and verse 50. This day, will the Lord deliver thee into my hands, and I will smite thee and take thy head from thee, and I will give the carcass of the host of the Philistines this day unto the fowls of the air and to the wild beast of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. And all this assembly shall know that the Lord saveth not with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and with a stone, and smote the Philistine and slew him. But there was no sword in the hand of David. David went out to fight the Philistine and told him exactly what was about to happen. Of all the things that David said, the most remarkable is that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. Verse 46. The original Hebrew of this statement is much stronger than it sounds in English. It is better translated that all the earth may know that God is for Israel. David was saying that everyone would know that day that the one and only God was on Israel's side. David also gave the Lord all the credit for the victory that day. He explained to Goliath, who had previously ridiculed this little rudy-faced boy coming against him with a stick, that the Lord would win this battle not with sword or spear, but with himself. There would be no doubt 
that day who won this battle. David did what he did that day, not for his glory, but for the glory of the Lord. We should also be careful to give God all the glory for what he accomplishes in our lives. He saves us for his glory. We serve him for his glory. Let us do as Jesus commanded. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 16. David courageously charged toward the Philistine, slung a smooth stone in the air, and watched the giant crumble before him. With a sling, not unlike a child's toy, David killed a giant armed with the best military defenses and weapons of the day. But David's weapon was the Lord himself, as he later wrote, Blessed be the Lord my God, which teacheth my hand to war and my fingers to fight. Psalm 144 and verse 1. David knew that the Lord had guided his hand and the stone to strike the giant in just the right place to drop him on his face. David cut off Goliath's head with his own sword, a sign of complete victory. When the Philistines saw that their champion was dead, they fled. Once again, the Lord gained the victory for Israel. How can we be sure that God is glorified in anything we might accomplish for him? Setting the application. David's fight with Goliath was much more than just a single event on a battlefield. It was much more than the Israelites versus the Philistines. It was a battle between God and Satan. It was a match between the one and only God and Satan's counterfeit gods among the Philistines. It pitted the true and living God against the dead man-made idols. It was a battle between right and wrong, good and evil, and faith and superstition. It was a larger spiritual warfare represented in David versus Goliath. We are also involved in this same spiritual warfare. Like David and Israel, God is on our side in a fight against the devil and his forces of evil. And any fleshly human weapon is worthless in this battle. It is our faith in God and the weapon of his word that we must use to win this battle. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God for the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations, and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 verses 4 and 5. How can you win in this spiritual warfare against Satan? and his forces. Thank you for joining us in another lesson of the Bogart Press through the Bible Adult Study Guide podcast. We look forward to studying with you again next week as we continue recognizing God's sovereignty at work in the scriptures. Bogart Press is the publishing ministry of the American Baptist Association. We exist to equip churches with the resource they need to carry out the Great Commission. These resources include Bible study materials for preschoolers through adults, including Sunday school, children's chapel, Bible training course, Bible challenge, and vacation Bible school. Please visit our website to find all the ministry resources you will need 
at bogardpress.org. That's bogardpress.org. Until next week, find daily encouragement from our daily devotion at bogardpress.org.